0: Pressure, he's going down Interception, Raylan's boat end. There's the game And Brockport's defense is obviously the ones to
1: show Plays that along Quick shot, score from a sharp angle What a snipe My goodness, that was Harley Who let it go From a nearly impossible angle Andrew Got Harley
0: run. He might be gone, folks He's at the 50, to the 40
1: 30, one man to beat He's past him, 20, 10
2: Touchdown bodies. Is this pass able to slide across? attempt. Eighty-nine one, point
0: one. The point brings ready. a new show to 2022. Monday Night Madness starts tonight. A revolving door of characters. We cover all the sports in our local area for the collegiate. Age level as well as one high school football game. So stay tuned for the next hour to Monday Night Madness only on 89.1 The Point. Here we go.
1: Oh, and good evening, everybody. I'm Zach Harnesfager. I'm alongside Jack McGilligot, uh Tyler Corp, and Chamberlain Botter. Welcome to our first episode. Guys, let's get right into this thing. So, our Brockport High School or Brockport uh, High School game of the week. Here is uh, Spencer Port versus Greece Olympia Odyssey. In Section 5, they started their football on Friday. And Spencer Port uh, dominated Greece Olympia, Greece Odyssey with a 69-6 to 6 route that saw many key contributors. Chamberlain and uh, Jack, they were on the broadcast. Guys, what can you tell me about that game?
0: Uh, Jack, well, Zach, I would say first. Uh, Jack, do you agree we should probably just let the audio speak for itself first and then we get into this a little bit more? I would agree with that. All right. We'll, we'll hit the audio. This is some uh, highlight clips from the Spencerport game. We'll see as the handoff goes here. The pile moves forward, and that one is a touchdown. Jalen Quick, and we'll see another ball run into the end zone there. That one by Teron Beachum. It's McLeod. He's going to throw this one, and deep, wide open, complete. That one's Teron Beachum again. Push through as they still going into the end zone. It will be a touchdown. That one's Jake Iena. He's on the board once again. McLeod looking to throw. Gets the quick throw to Mesh. Bobbles it. Catches it and still going. Still going all the way into the end zone. It's a touchdown for Cameron Mesh. His first of the day. It looks like it will be Mesh returning and he'll scoop this one up. Getting around the first man. Now the second and the third. Oh, he's got room to run. He might be gone, folks. He's at the 50. To the 40. 30. One man to beat. He's past him. 20. 10. Touchdown, Cam Mesh. Another beauty as the highlight reel continues to roll. Touchdown, Cam Mesh with the hat trick flying into the end zone. That one coming from safety. So, yeah um for reference all all of those touchdowns were scored by Spencerport every single one of those that we just called so uh jack i'll give it back to you to talk a little bit more about this game
3: yeah, I mean it was a sixty nine to six route and it was as dominant as you'd expect from that score line you know uh the first score of the game for Spencerport and on the game came from junior running back Jalen Green. He scored the first touchdown at 6 thirteen left in the first quarter and Chamberlain by the end of that first quarter with 6 thirteen left they scored four more touchdowns they gave it 35 to nothing it just got ugly so quick for Greece Olympia Odyssey you know they started out that game with two good runs then just a three and out and and Spencerport drove down the field pretty methodically but then on the next drive. That, that first snap, that first shotgun snap, uh, fumbles it. Spencerport almost immediately scores. Then from then on, you saw Greece, Olympia, just be able to get nothing going, really.
0: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean, Jack. It was like watching David versus Goliath if David forgot to bring his slingshot. Like, <laughs> that's basically what we were watching in a short. I mean, the teams, it wasn't really competitive as in on either side of the ball, unfortunately. And I'd almost say that that defense, one of the things about Spencerport is they run that running offense that we talked about. Yes. Um, I broke it down during the game. I'll break it down real quick. So basically they put three backs behind the quarterback in a straight line. So you have two wing backs, a fullback in the middle, and then you have your two tight ends that are out on your wide wing. So you have seven men on your offensive line. And basically what that allows them to do is just – hand the ball to literally whoever they want in the backfield and not show the defense who has the ball. So, like, the misdirections are the absolute key, and they looked like a completely well-oiled machine while Grease was just jumping around trying to find the ball. And then on the defensive side, it's almost all the same guys coming out onto the field for Spencerport on defense as they are on offense. Yeah. And you have, like, Cam Meshes just hit-sticking kids all over the place at safety. Meanwhile, he has three touchdowns coming in. And that from, running back as well. <laughs> and that running Yeah, no, it was crazy. Between between Jake Iena, who is their a fun one that got mentioned earlier, um, their punter, kicker, starting middle linebacker, tight end and fullback for the team, um, <laughs> between him and just absolutely laying kids out, and then also Jalen Quick and... Um, Jalen Quick was amazing in there as well. It was just a whole slew of players. Teron Beecham had the interception. One of them was like it was called the pass interference, and then the immediate next play, he just went up and mossed the receiver. And it yeah. it felt like you were watching a team that was just this well oiled machine that had cruised to this point against a bunch of weekend league guys walking in there which is yeah. just unfortunate for programs that close to one another
3: on that interception play it is funny when you put it like that like he got the uh the uh interference call a bit wishy-washy maybe in my opinion but then he just went and did the same exact thing just better the next play yeah got exactly. the interception and really i mean it was just they they you could see you know usually when you see a blowout like this it's just teams you know dominating athletically and just like uh you know, physically and obviously they were doing that, but also just because of how they run their offense with that running, there's so much misdirection. You could see how well coached they are. Like there's complication in their plays that, you know, just because of the nature of their offense. Like even on something as simple as like a a QB keeper from like McLeod, you see him just like fake to one guy, turn the other way, fake it to to another guy and just the body language of him and watching him, it's just very entertaining football to see.
0: Yeah, it's beautifully complex, I think is the way to put it. And it's impressive that Coach John Dowd is able to get this team that's like a bunch of high schoolers to understand those concepts and stick with it. And I mean, it's not hard to stick with it when you're bulldozing a team 69-6. to Yeah. But, like, there were certain plays in that game where it was just like next-level play. And I think one of the points for me where that really came through was their offensive line play. And the way that It's five guys who all know exactly how to move as a unit or individually in their own positions to create different gaps, like multiple gaps in the O-line for misdirection plays to work. Or they have, like, the one touchdown with Jake Ieno where they basically, like, handed it to him up the gut and then they just made, like, a flying V with their O-line and cut through the grease defense for, like, 15 yards into the end zone. It was just really impressive play calling and plays in general that they had written out and they executed them exceptionally well.
3: Yeah. Like uh I w- I was always hammering on the broadcast like the offense was just quick and that includes the offensive line. They they have to be quick like quick-witted, quick uh with their uh reflexes and things like that just to be able to handle all the uh complications with this offense and really I mean I think uh I could speak for us both when I say that we were most impressed by Cam Mesh oh, wow. <laughs> on on that game. He's the superstar on that team. He's a senior finally been a part of their team, you know, every every uh other season of his career. And I mean, he got the uh <laughs> passing touchdown, the receiving touchdown, the punt return touchdown the uh, fumble return for six, and he also had had a kick return that was called back that I think we we both agreed on broadcast was kind of the point where we were most uh, impressed by him on that run. I mean, he he just knows how to hit an open gap, and once he does, he's just gone. But also if there's somebody in front of him uh, in that game – they were not going to be able to take him down without a huge fight, and most of the time he won that fight, all but just a couple times.
0: Yeah, no, it seemed like time and time again we saw Cam Mesh like falling over as he bounced off of the last defender, and then... When he has about two steps before he would be completely on the ground, he's back upright running full speed. It was super impressive. Another player that I want to give a shout out to from that game, though, is Rylan McLeod, their quarterback, Mm -hmm. who is also a senior but missed his sophomore and junior year to injuries, came into this team and looked like just some well-oiled veteran in this offense, and did not expect the passing touchdown that you heard there uh, to Teron Beacham. That was just yeah. completely every single player was inside of the tackle box for Greece Olympia Odyssey, and just Teron Beachum was able to sneak around the outside, get over the top on a post route, yeah. and just catch this beautiful, easy toss in for McLeod. And not to mention the other, the other passing touchdown that he had was to Mesh, which was more of a Mesh play than it was a McLeod play, but still a great standout performance from Ryan Rylan McLeod and second half fourth quarter. They started playing their backups. He fell into that category of being the backup safety. So we got to see the QB come out, get a couple hit sticks in. that was pretty enjoyable to watch. I have to say.
3: Yeah, and another uh, backup that I watched, uh, we talked about Jake Iena being able to uh, get, the, get those kicks and all those punts. On the last extra point and the last kickoff, we got to see an offensive lineman come in. We had number 59, Josh Winner, kick a PAT and get a kickoff going. Unfortunately, there was a penalty out of bounds on the kickoff but still showing off that leg. I just love having that big guy come in and kick a couple.
0: (laughs) I genuinely had almost completely forgotten about that in the back of my head until you brought that back to my mind, and I 100% agree with you. Not much is better than seeing a big man use his leg, 100%. Anything more with this game we'd like to add, gentlemen? I mean like you
3: brought up with Ryan McLeod, this te- the Spencerport team, you know, obviously just so run heavy, but when you're pe- when you have somebody who could throw the ball like him, that just adds another ankle. You saw them fool them. It was just huge. I mean, you know, the, the defense was amazing. Every pass that uh Greece Olympia Odyssey threw it was just uh, you know the safeties of the linebackers outbodying those receivers and just really I mean, it's just impressive. It's impressive to watch a team like Spenceport so well coached, so athletic, uh, dominate a game like that.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You put it exactly in the best form. And the other great thing, the last thing I'll say for them and now they no longer have to deal with Canandaigua. For anyone that is a Spencerport Rangers football fan, they'll know that Canandaigua has been the bane of Spencerport's existence for the last two years in the Class A1 tier of Section 5 football. Last year, they fell to them in the playoffs 42-14. The quote from Coach Dowd was that, that Canadaigua team, they felt like they played them pretty evenly in the regular season, but then they just hit another level in the playoffs, and the thing that he said was that he felt his players learned what that level was, and now they're going to come into this season with it. I don't know if that's what we saw just yet, because I'm, I still think that this offense could do crazier things, and so could the defense, yeah. but I mean 69-6 opening weekend. It's a pretty good way to go. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Monday Night Madness. Make sure you stay tuned.
1: Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k.
3: What?
0: Why? Just wait for the inheritance. We've definitely got a rich uncle somewhere. We're one call away from the winner's circle at the Derby, dinners with multiple forks, a vacation home in the country, using summer as a verb.
2: You don't actually think that, do you?
0: When it
3: comes
2: to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
1: Uh, Brockport Field Hockey, uh, on September 1st, they beat uh, Keuka College 11-0 in their home opener, which they outshot 29-4 to with 22 of their 29 shots being on goal. So, guys, you know, this team's off to a 2-0 start. You know, they shut out uh, another team there, 7 to nothing on the road in Elmira. So, uh, turn it over to Tyler. Uh, you know, what is your opinion and your thoughts so far on this Brockport Field Hockey team?
4: Well, I think one of the most impressive things is that Out of the 11 goals they scored against cuca was that nine of them came from different women i mean that alone is just impressive like the fact that they're able to spread the ball that well and just get it around and just make sure that everyone's contributing
1: yeah no i agree that is that is huge uh huge for them as as well and you know that ella uh ella buchanan there back-to-back shutouts and has not allowed a single goal on the season so far man she having a heck of a season through two games
4: No, I mean, that itself is just crazy. I mean, just to see anybody do that, I mean, let alone a sophomore, to come in to their second season and have back-to-back shutouts in two games, uh, I mean, it's something that, you know, you got to attribute to the defense but also to her as a goalkeeper.
1: Oh, yeah, right. And, and, you know, they've had 40 shots, 29 of them being on goal. I mean, this, this team looks really good through the past two games and definitely throughout the season, definitely something to keep an eye on.
3: Yeah, in, in their first game, their home opener against Kayuca they outshot them 29-4 with 22, uh, 29 being on goal. And then uh, this past Saturday against Elmira, 40 shots, 29 of them being on goal. And, uh, you know, four shots allowed in the first game. And then only allowing five shots with two of them being on net in that past Saturday game. Uh, the defense, you know, the offense, this is just a very, two very dominant games for his field hockey team.
1: No, I agree, and not back to mention that uh, that eleven uh, nothing game tied the second largest margin of victory in program history for the Golden Eagles. So that is something we will definitely keep an eye on throughout the rest of the year. And that field hockey team will travel to Pittsburgh this week to take on the Nazareth Goals and Flyers tomorrow. Now on to uh, RIT, their women's soccer team has started the season two and zero, in their first two games of the season. And four different players for them have scored a goal, and this team's looking really good as well. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this game here, uh, Jack, or on this team? I mean,
3: their senior goalkeeper, Darcy Jones, has really been a key contributor for them, keeping them in those games. You know, split time last year, but this year has been really dominant for
1: them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And you know, like I said, that, that Darcy Jones, you know, she split time last year too, so it's not like... I mean, she's had experience, but not a lot of it. So coming in, you know, first-year starter, you know, seven on eight on on, uh, save opportunities is, is really good.
0: Yeah, another key thing for this team, Zach, is that they have a lot of just returning leaders when it comes to their senior class. That's one of those things, Coach, Liz Masterson has brought up when she's talked about her team, bringing up Christine Cataldo-Smith, who was a first-team All-Liberty League's forward last season. She finished second in the Liberty League with 11 goals. She's also currently second in RIT history for career goals. She's just six short right now of the record. That was set in 1990. So definitely a season that could be history-making for a player in Christine Cataldo-Smith. And then another player that comes back for their team at outside back is Erin Alor, who's from Maryland. She was second-team All-Liberty League last season, coming in now as the dominant outside-back leader for that team. She was third in points last season, three goals, three assists. Probably going to look for a bit more production there from the outside, but a great Performance last season and high expectations coming into this season for both of those players.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. They, they are also going to be a team that is one to watch. So we will take a quick break and we will be back here on 89.1 The Point.
2: This is a public service announcement test from takemefishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let us begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Do you have plumage? Please tell me you answered no, which means you need to get a fishing license and have your boat registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Green, green, green. It's our home, it's our dream. Making it green is making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Make sure you test your home for radon. It's easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green. A message from the U.S. EPA.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Going back to the RIT, uh, women's soccer. uh, They host 25th-ranked Geneseo tomorrow afternoon at 1.00. So if you can make it, make sure to go to that game. Should be in store for a good match there. Now on to uh, uh, other college here, uh, Roberts Wesleyan, women's soccer. Boy, have they hit the ground running. They started the season out 4-0 and so far with a freshman, middle, in, middle midfielder Ella White, who's showing a lot of promise after scoring one goal in each of their four games. And Tyler, you know, what, do you, what more do you have for this uh, team here?
4: Well, i mean one of the most impressive things about their 4-0 start is that two of them were shutouts uh the other two they only let the other team score one point point. and i mean that's just something that you know in soccer it's really impressive to shut out a team but also stay ahead because it's easy to you know end with a tie in soccer of all sports but you know to see them not only stop their opponents from scoring but also consistently score throughout those four games they haven't scored lower than two points, which is something that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a really, really impressive. Um, another thing to mention, too, is that uh, the freshman uh, middle uh, midfielder there, Ella White, um, she leads the team in points with eight. And uh, another player to mention here, junior midfielder Gabrielle Cimbella, is second on the team in points with six she has two goals and two assists on the season so far, so really a lot of people really contributing to this success so far, this Roberts Wesleyan women's team. Jack, what do you have on this team?
3: I mean, it's just been so impressive for them. Uh, for the for the regular season, this is now their 11th straight win. Uh, you know, they have not lost a regular season uh, game since last September 29th at Damon. And you know one of the most impressive parts of their game is uh, Nicolette Knopf has a e seven point five save percentage. You know that with the uh, home opener when she got her second shutout of the season. You know only giving up one goal in four games. I mean it's uh, a very impressive start for them.
1: Yeah, no, I know. like you said, I mean giving up four, you know, one goal in four games. Especially not only that to mention just her second year as a starter. So. That's going to be something to watch here, and we will see how this team, if they can keep up their hot streak or if they will fall. And moving on to the men's soccer team here at Roberts Wesleyan. Um, they've started off okay, not as good as the women's team, but they're sitting right now at 500, uh, 2 and 2-2 to begin the year. And uh, a guy to mention, senior forward Justin Robertson and Dylan Ruiz both lead the Red Hawks with five points. So, you know, what are your thoughts on this team so far here, Jack?
3: I mean, just a very uh, impressive team. A, gr- a gritty victory this past weekend, 3-1 over Malone University. Uh, you know, at 2-2, two and two, they've still got a lot of season left. You know, you've seen very uh, impressive things from them so far.
1: Yes, and uh, they will travel to uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, to take on St. Anselm College tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. So they should be in store for a good matchup there. Again, we're going to take another quick break and we will be right back on 89.1 The Point.
2: What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? What if your career goals were to change? Instead of flying off to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether to embark on a different track, to volunteer in ways you never dreamed of? in places you never imagined yourself being? Like a tiny island in the Pacific, barely visible on a map, but where needs are easy to see? Or a village on the African continent, where just a little training in HIV awareness can change the fate of thousands? What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Some more scores around the area here. Uh, Genesee Community College, uh, their, uh, their team is off to a nice 2-0 start after two games in the season. Uh, they defeated uh, Erie Community College sixty two on Wednesday and uh, they also defeated Cien Heights uh, Saturday by score three to one, and this team is looking really good so far. Um, what are your thoughts on this team here, uh, Jack?
3: A two and zero start, two pretty solid wins. They've got a lot of returning talent, and uh, they've got a lot of potential to go far this season.
1: And on to the women's team, the women's soccer team, one game they won one to nothing after a three to one victory over Howard Community College yesterday. Both teams will be taking on Jamestown on Wednesday night at 6.30. So definitely uh, another team we will be looking at throughout the season. Yeah. Chamberlain, over to you for Niagara soccer.
0: Yeah, before we hop into Niagara, we'll hop back to GCC just real quick. I mean, that's a team that has a history of being one of the better junior college programs when it comes to men's soccer so really looking to see what they're going to continue to do over this season obviously a 2-0 start doesn't really show you a lot yet and some of these community college level teams aren't as good as getting their information up on the web so it's not as easy to find out who their best players are and things like that hopefully more information will come out as they will have Theoretically, a pretty good season coming up here. Niagara University, a bit more lackluster this season, one in three right now. But coming off of their last game, it was their first win of the season. Coming against Stonehill today at one o'clock, actually, two goals scored from the freshman defender Alberto Sanchez Cervera, two from him is just an interesting spot for this team when you need all of your creativity on the offensive side of the ball to come out of your defenders an outside back for this team getting two in the third goal for the team came from rodrigo almeida a senior on the team so getting spread around a little bit with the ball but just an interesting showing from this team, of course, one of the Division One teams that we actually cover when it comes to sports. 3-2 win, thankful for that. Now they need to turn things around, though.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt. That is definitely something uh, we will be looking at uh, throughout the season. On to some Division I uh, college football here. We've got Syracuse football, and, boy, do they have a dominant win um, on Saturday, winning 31-7 to oh. over Louisville. And their junior quarterback, boy, did he look really, really good. He had he passed for two hundred and thirty seven yards and two touchdowns in the air and had ninety five yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown. Uh so Jack, what is uh what do you got for us for the Syracuse team?
3: Yeah, like you mentioned, uh Garrett Schrader, very solid game. One person that I really want to focus on is Sean Tucker. He's a redshirt sophomore coming off an All-American freshman season. He continued his momentum, and He's got he rushed for a team-high 100 rushing yards alongside a touchdown, and also notched 84 yards and a touchdown receiving, also leading the team in that category. And he's got a lot of eyes on him from pro scouts, people uh, across the NCAA. And, you know, he he is going to be a huge factor for this team if they want to have success in the ACC. And he is definitely somebody to watch if you want to watch, you know, college prospects uh, maybe transitioning to NFL after this season.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, the quarterback, you know, like I said, back to the quarterback there, uh, Schrader, man, his first, first pass of the game, a nice dot right in between three defenders. And that, after that, he just took off and had himself one heck of a game and you know, like you mentioned, uh, the running back there, and he's a first-team All-American. Expectations are high for him. But one thing to really point out on that team too was the defense. Boy, did that defense come through when they needed to. And uh, Tyler, what do you got on their for them on their defense?
4: I mean, their defense looked incredible. And as someone who's from Syracuse, I've never seen Syracuse like so happy to see a team play football in a long time, <laughs> especially against Louisville, who's tor- tortured us and tormented us for the last five years I mean even ten years I mean we could go back that far they've won seven out of the last ten games that we played them I mean it's just been pain over pain over pain for every single time that Syracuse has faced Louisville and to see a win not only gives hope towards Syracuse fans and the whole city in general but it just makes it you know just really refreshing to see in the eyes of Syracuse football which you know hasn't seen Many good players come through in a while. I mean, they have a few prospects every now and then, but to see the team put together this well actually just is a good glance of hope.
1: It is, yes. Syracuse looking good. The Orange, they will travel to UConn to take on that tough Huskies team uh, this coming Saturday at 7. We will see if Syracuse can continue this after one game. We will be right back after a quick break. You're listening to 89.1 The Point.
2: Here's another I Love New York travel tip. One of the best ways to view New York's spectacular autumn is aboard one of the state's scenic railways. Aboard the Adirondack Scenic Railroad in Old Forge, witness autumn's amazing display of colors amidst some of the most pristine mountain terrain in remote areas of the Adirondacks. Riding along the scenic Asopus Creek In one of the Catskill Mountain Railroad's vintage coaches You'll enjoy views of the Catskill's natural autumn beauty That you just can't get from your car For more information on these and other scenic train rides in New York State Dial 1-800-CALL-NYS Or visit the I Love New York website at iloveny.com All aboard for autumn fun Another reason I love New York
1: Everybody, welcome back. Uh, now on to some more uh, Division One football here. We've got the Buffalo Bulls. And, boy, did they start their season off on the wrong foot. They lost 31-10 to to Maryland on Saturday. And, boy, Chamberlain, they did not look good.
0: Yeah, no, did not look good is kind of like an understatement here, <laughs> Zach, if I do say so myself. I don't know. This team just didn't look like they gave – Anything. Um, Maryland, of course, a team that's not the most competitive, but good players still come out of that college right now. uh, There is a tug of Iloa in the quarterback position for that team, but that's really not the focus. Focus is more on the fact that this offense and defense just could not roll in the highlight tape that came out afterwards. I think there were a total of like five plays that really showcased Buffalo in any way, shape, or form. Just a tough start to the season for them. They're going to really want to look to bounce back, but it could be interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely, like you said, definitely uh, if they will have any chance of success, and like I said, uh, they got to really improve uh, really all around here. Now, uh, they are facing Holy Cross uh, this Saturday night, and they, Holy Cross is coming off a big, big 31-17 to win over Merrimack. And moving on to some back to uh, Brockport, they... Open their season at home against Framingham State University. And boy, did they look pretty good. Chamberlain, you were a color commentator for the game. Tell us a little bit about what you saw from this Brockport team.
0: Yeah, um, I was very happily impressed with this Brockport team. A team that lost a lot of seniors. I'm pretty sure the number was either 11 or 13. One of the two uh, that I wrote in an article last semester about this team how many seniors they lost and you lose major major influences on both sides of the ball on the offensive side you lose your number one guaranteed wide receiver who was basically a perennial all-american when he was in college that was his goal the entire time he was there and he played like it without a shadow of a doubt in Imatep cromer then you flip over to the defensive side of the ball where you really had your major losses in josh greenwood lawrence jenkins Andrew Covey and Alan Montgomery. Those are just four defensive captains that you would think you couldn't replace. But man, did Coach Mangoni and this Brockport team do a great job of replacing those people? Got names like Ben Marshall, who comes in, who was the second safety on the field with Montgomery last season, now stepping into the role, overtaking that. You have Hakeem Yaya, who was on the other edge, opposite Josh Greenwood last season, really taking a big step up. You have Ben Damiani, who is the other interior linebacker, with Andrew Covey, replacing him completely and stepping up into that position. And you have John DeRitter, who's come up now and really filled in that hole that Lawrence Jenkins has left in that outside backer role, whether it be Catching pick sixes or being in the face of the quarterback on the edge. It was just impressive to see their ability to bounce back from the amount of losses that they had last season. And I haven't even gotten into the biggest part, which I'll pass over to somebody else to talk about in their quarterback situation.
3: Yeah, getting getting Todd Simmons, uh, a senior transfer quarterback, you know, he conducted 14 of 23 on his passes, 208 yards and a touchdown. And just having him uh, be even competent with passing, be able to make those throws and, you know, get it to the playmakers is a huge improvement for a Brockport team that had a lot of question marks at that position last year. And, you know, he also add, added 13 carries for 36 yards. Uh, it was an impressive debut for him, and really just, you know, he handled his business, he did what he needed to do, and he got the a pretty solid win for Brockport.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, he did. And it's funny, a big change of pace, I feel like, between like him and Jack Cheshire from last season. Obviously, I, you know, we almost feel like he should be like he who should not be named. But just, I mean, what did you see in the differences between those two players, Zach?
1: Yeah, I mean, Simmons, I feel like with him i see seeing, I don't know about you guys, I'm seeing a lot of confidence in him. Cheshire, I really didn't see a ton of confidence in him throughout the whole no. year. But, you know, his first start coming in as a transfer, man, he was confident. And he played like he'd been there for a while. And you could really see in his game. I'm not going to lie, he's got a little bit of swagger to him, too, as well, which I like to see. So definitely... Uh, Player to watch as this season continues, and I think he's only going to get better from here.
0: Yeah, no, it was awesome, and that we had him for the post game press count or post game like two question interview, and he just sounded so like calm and collected, and had that you could hear the swagger in his voice that he had, just that little bit of cockiness in the perfect way. And I think it really also stems from like his relationship with James Altenberger, the tight end for this uh, Brockport team, who is definitely what showed up more so as his number one target on the day. The really spread the ball around decently well, Brockport, but Altenburger was like his safety net, his safety blanket, without a shadow of a doubt. Whenever Simmons was in big trouble, he would just throw the ball to Altenberger, and seeing that be a part of this team that was so important was really interesting to see because at no point last season, I mean, Cheshire knew that he could always go to Imhotep Cromer as a last-ditch effort pass, but it wasn't that we have a lot of trust between the two of us safety blanket type relationship that we really get to see with Simmons here. And it's, it's one of those things where Altenberger only had three receptions. He was only the fourth leading receiver in yards on the team, but it was still just so apparent that whenever he got panicked... He threw the ball to Altenberger. He's also his biggest target on the field, so no surprise there. Flip over to the other third side of the ball that we can take. Uh in special teams. It's I love Brockboard's special teams. I love what they did last season in recruiting two freshmen that they are now almost guaranteed that they'll probably never have to change until they graduate. I mean, in Nate Wygen and Dan Grasso both being in there now sophomores, both of them last year were selected as all Empire 8 selections for their team in second and third team selections. And I just, there's a lot of hope for that special teams unit. They had, uh, Panapinto was taking their, um, their kickoffs, so they brought in a third special teamer to that leg department on the team it was just great to see every the whole team was really firing on all cylinders yes on saturday
3: yeah it seemed to me like after last year where you know with jack chesler chester and uh just some of the problems you had on offense and you know kind of the inconsistencies game to game with this team you're kind of seeing a bit of a reset it feels like you're kind of you're kind of seeing them you know they've got they've got you know Uh, lots of players leaving but also just returning with you know solid defense and you know competently run offense with Todd Simmons really really shining and I think that this Brockport team just looks very well put together well coached and I think there's just less holes all all around or less glaring holes than there were last year where you saw
0: yeah I would agree it's it's funny because you look at this team on paper like before the game started, and me and Ian Wild, who is on the play-by-play for the call, were sitting there in the booth before the game started, going, "What? What is this team's goal when we look at look at it on paper? I mean, with with what seniors they have, what juniors, what percentage of the team is in each class, and where the talent lies on this team?" And we came to the conclusion that ultimately, it's. I mean. College football normally is boomer bust every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this team on paper, after looking at that unit and then seeing them play against Framingham, I would feel confident in saying that their intention is to get to the Elite Eight. Without a shadow of a doubt, their yeah. intention is to be in at least the top 10 teams in postseason, in the top 10 teams in Division Three, And I think... I don't want to overshoot myself here, but I think based on the way that that offense was able to run and on the way that defense was able to run and their special teams and the way that they can just give everyone terrible field position really adds up in Brockport's
2: favor.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And to the the Framingham sideline, you know, I was doing sideline reporting for that Framingham side. Let me tell you, uh, Chamberlain, and uh, I'm going to hear that. That Framingham team, they just looked outmatched. I mean, you know, I, I I talked to the head coach a little bit, and he, he was t- before the game, and he was telling me that, you know, they didn't have a scrimmage. Like their scrimmage got canceled because of weather. So this was their first opponent, first team that they saw. And after the game, a lot of the co- coaching staff was frustrated um, with how they were not being able to execute plays. And after that interception late in that game, you can, I felt uh, that sideline just absolutely die, and the energy just left him completely
0: yeah no they had two quarterbacks that shows through for in the way that they played really that really explains why uh noah leonard and nicholas go uh gofredo were going back and forth so many times um in the fact that i just don't think they had really picked their number one starter for the season yet probably which just adds another layer into this game which could be interesting. Those two two quarterbacks split time, uh, for Framingham eight completions for Leonard, and four for Goffredo. Not really anything special on either end. Eighty three yards and forty eight yards respectively. Each of them threw an INT. Leonard threw one touchdown, but in comparison to Todd Simmons, uh, fourteen for twenty three and two hundred and eight yards and a touchdown. It's it's nothing, in in comparison to that. It was also shown for the first time what the rushing attack would look like out of Rockport this season which is headed up by Rashad Law followed by Gino Fontanarosa, and then the new third down back for this season position changed wide receiver Derek chance who also caught a couple out of the backfield Being their third down back, it was really running back by committee, but we also saw so many runs from Todd Simmons. He just proved to be way more mobile than I thought he would be based on the way he came out and established himself in the pocket at the beginning of the game, and then all of a sudden you see 13 rushes for 46 yards.
3: I mean, yeah, he, he is somebody who's got a really solid pocket presence but can also move the ball. You know, it's great to see Rashad Law getting a lot of carries. He's somebody that's impressed a lot. And, you know, I am impressed by uh, Rosa broke, breaking off the longest round of the game with 25 yard, yards, racking up 50 yards on eight carries. I mean, uh, the offense was just ran really well it wasn't like anything like mind-blowing like you know uh, a 69-6 game that we saw earlier but it's something that it's it's a competent it's a very well-run offense that you know just did their job got the win and that's really what it felt like it was like a team that they're going up against that they that they can beat they know they can beat and they just did their business and that's really something that you know you want to see week one
0: yeah, and another place where it got interesting. I mean, it was hot, like stupid, stupid hot out there on that oh, yeah. field. It said it was 83. Heat index had to have been like at least 10 degrees, if not more. So they were losing players to heat exhaustion and dehydration left, right, and center. And center, literally, for Brockport and Dimitri Swan coming off and then replacing him with Ahmad Davis-Warner, who's a sophomore, on the team coming in at center to replace him after about, like, one-and-a-half quarters of play. And then you also have Scott Oshner, the left tackle for Brockport, a senior, coming out. Thankfully for them, for Brockport, they can replace him with Jalen Bosick, who's a a senior as well, who comes in and just slides right in. But you're playing with that offense with two of your three starters actually in it for the game. It makes it real interesting that they were still able to move the ball as effectively as they did. Although I will say, third-quarter, there was really absolutely nothing going, and that's something that I think it it was an on or off quarter for Brockport last season. They either went off in the third, or they did nothing in the third, and this was just kind of a low period for that third quarter. It had the only segment of momentum in the game at any point that felt like Framingham could come back into it, and then once that went away with the pick six, it was just it was over. Nobody had any more expectations for the game. And that pick six was one of my favorites. If you guys remember the Clayton Chapman Bowl last year, uh, Lawrence Jenkins had a pick six that, I'm not kidding, I just had complete flashbacks. It looked exactly the same. They were wearing the same uniforms. He caught. They were playing a team in all-white jerseys with black helmets on, They caught the ball on, like, the 30-ish yard line in the middle of the field, ran it into the right corner of the end zone, literally the same play. It was kind of scary and almost sketchy to me to watch. But, no, it was a great game, great season opener and great teaser for what this Brockport team is going to bring us this season.
1: Oh, yeah, and not only that, uh, next week they travel to Ithaca to take on the Bombers, which, you know, you guys know uh, Brockport did lose to uh, Ithaca last season and uh that game was not a good one for uh Brockport uh really just one of their many many uh bad losses uh on that season so going into uh week two uh against Ithaca what do you guys think is something that this Brockport team has to continue if they want to um keep this hot streak going
0: so I don't I don't know if continue is the word that I would go for, but something that they're going to have to now do, that they didn't have to do at all against Framingham, is watch the deep ball. They got absolutely mutilated by the deep ball from Ithaca last season. It's just not something that they're always ready for, and it's surprising because they have such a good cornerback and defensive back room. You have Marshall, Booten's, Purcell Brown just came through and his first start got an interception and a couple big pass breakups. Those are your three main key guys on that defensive, uh, defensive back area. They're really going to have to watch that over the top. Like, if there was one thing that made Ithaca beat Brockport last year, it was the fact that I think they had four receptions for over 50 yards each. Um, you just you can't let that happen if you want to win a football game. You're not going to win it. It's just not the scenario.
3: And, yeah, and on top of that, you know, keep mentioning him. But Todd Simmons, you want to see him keep up with an offense like that. And, you know, uh, it would be interesting to see because, you know, you said the Brockport defense struggled last year. So if the Brockport defense struggles or he has to get into, you know, a bit of a shootout or just, like, keep pace with another offense. I'd like to see how Todd Simmons uh, adjusts to that and you know see how he paces his play there.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Another area that we have to just jump to real quick and talk about that won't really apply for Brockport until October 1st for uh or not October 1st, but when when yes, October 1st when we play Cortland uh is the fact that they had a receiver Set the Suniak record for receiving yards in a game last this past weekend with 312, um, which is just stupid, stupid numbers. But an air raid attack out of Cortland that is always seems to be like that. The air, the air attack is the only way to beat Brockport. One of the best rushing defenses in the league are in in. Division 3 last year they proved to be the number one scoring defense in the league number one in turnovers top three in rushing defense top five in passing defense they were scary on defense but there are certain things that can just break that team and a team that can throw it over the top was one of them last year now we need to find out next week if they're still one of those teams or if they've found a way to fix that
1: Yes, we will see if they do that, and I don't know if it's too early to say, but uh, I think the Todd Simmons era in Brockport has begun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. Me and Ian uh, had our own hashtag that we decided to start that um, we'll post on our social media hashtag #LetToddCook. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let Todd Cook. I like that. So, as I mentioned, Brockport travels to Ithaca one o'clock this afternoon, Saturday. Real test there for the Brockport football team, and that'll do it for us today yeah. on episode one for Jack McElligot, Tyler Corp, and Chamberlain Botter. Have a good night, everybody. You're listening to 89.1 The Point. I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat. I'm stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and to joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps.
2: Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Our military service members volunteer to protect us in the...